0: Welcome to Dishing Daycare Dirt. I'm Shelley Cooper, owner of Lifelong Learners Child Development Centers in Downers Grove. We have a mission to ensure all children know they matter. We create experiences, have a blast while teaching, and show these kids love day in and day out. This podcast was created to be a resource for early childhood education teachers, but really it's for anyone who interacts with young children. I'm so happy you pushed play today, so let's do this. Today on Dishing Daycare Dirt, I interviewed Tori Graham. She's an infant toddler mental health consultant from the Erickson Institute. During our interview, we discussed the FAN method and how to apply it in early childhood setting. We also discussed MSR, which stands for mindful self-regulation. There is so much good information for parents and teachers in this episode, but my biggest takeaway is that there is a repair stage for every interaction that we have. Meaning, if we do or say something during an interaction that we are regretting, there is always a way to take it back and repair that interaction. The use of the FAN method helps us take a step back and have a second chance at our interactions. You are going to love this episode. Take too much of your time, so we can go oh. ahead and get started. Um, so today on our podcast, Dishing Daycare Dirt, we have Joy Graham from the Erikson's Institute. Um, so welcome, Joy or er, Joy. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Tori. <laughs> so the reason why I say Joy is because Joy er, J- Tori's daughter Joy attends Lifelong Learner. So yeah. So Tori and she calls me Tori sometimes. So <laughs> oh my gosh. she's so smart because she hears everybody else calling you Tori. Yep sometimes oh she'll go tour. <laughs> cute, So cute. Um, well, so thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to my us. Pleasure. Um, so we always open in the same way. We just want to know a little bit about you. Um, just personally, professionally, whatever you want to share. Wonderful. Well, um, I'm Tori
1: Graham. Um, I'm the director of fan training, which I'll tell you more about what that means. Um, at Erickson Institute in Chicago. Erickson Institute is a, a graduate school in child development. Um, and so much of my job is training early childhood educators and clinicians and pretty much anyone who touches the lives of children and families. Um, and then on top of that, of course, I'm, I'm a wife and I'm a mother to our little vivacious two-year-old Joy.
0: Yeah. Great. It's so interesting. It's funny because I don't have a background in early childhood as far as a degree. I did take several classes, but I never even knew about the Erickson Institute until I took classes. And it's amazing. It's just, yeah, I love it. All right. Yeah, so you had yeah. mentioned um, the fan method. Mm-hmm. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? I'd love to. So
1: FAN kind of loosely stands for Facilitating Attuned Interactions. Um, and there's a visual that goes along with it that I'm sure if you're interested, Shelly would be happy to send out that's actually shaped like a FAN, but people were saying, we need it to stand for something. So the, the Facilitating Attuned Interactions acronym sort of came later. Um, but yeah, um, so it, it's a meth. the FAN is a method to help teachers build relationships um, with their caregivers and their students. So it kind of oper- like operations um, relationship building. Um, And so it it centers around this concept of attunement. Um, And so we think about um, how teachers can identify matches, mismatches and opportunities for repair as they're engaging with um, primarily their caregivers, but there's a lot that can be generalizable to work with students too. Um, So we would think about a match um, when a parent and a teacher are in the same place on the fan. Like for example, um, if a parent is expressing, feeling distressed about something that's happening with their child, Mm -hmm. a match would be for the teacher to respond with empathy rather than maybe advice or resources or ideas. And this is something your teachers do so well. Um, Joy was um, doing some hitting of her friends in the classroom. And I remember when the teacher was chatting with me about that, she said like, I can imagine that this is a worry for you and that made me feel validated and put me in a place where I could take in the ideas more authentically because I felt like she got how I was feeling
0: right yeah Mm -hmm. I think it's easy as teachers sometimes to just want to fix something to help you fix it Um, and my nature is like that too so I do work on that a lot it's just validating and that's a big thing we do with the kids too every feeling that they have needs to be validated before you can address it. Absolutely.
1: And then there's this like dual magic of the students feeling it from the teachers and the caregivers feeling it from the teachers. And it kind of helps the caregivers feel more equipped to offer it to their children too, because parents want to fix too. We all want to fix.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love Mm -hmm. that. Okay. So um, I was reading the stuff that you had handed out and I loved the um, example that you gave about repairing, because I think that sometimes in a conversation, especially maybe with new teachers or inexperienced teachers, it's kind of n- nerve wracking because um, they don't have a lot of experience. So sometimes they might say something and then not really know how to go back from that, or is it appropriate? Um, so I love that example that that you gave, um, on repair. I'm trying to think of what it was. Where it it might've been
1: related to like potty training, I think maybe was an example that I shared. Yes.
0: It's,
1: it repair is such a magical concept, because it's just not something many of us have had consistently or predictably in our lives, right? Um, Certainly not as children. And to be able to go back and say, like, I was thinking about you and I was thinking about this, and I might have missed it. I might have started offering ideas about potty training too quickly. And you just might not be so sure. I want to know how you're feeling about this. Yeah, it's such a subtle shift that opens up this opportunity to have like a real collaborative conversation.
0: Yeah, I agree, I agree. And I think too that sometimes new teachers really get stuck on that they have to know everything, they have to have all the answers and it's so not true. I mean, all parents need to know is that they are heard and that if you don't have the answer, if you don't have any kind of advice that you're gonna figure it out, you're gonna go, you're gonna do some research, you're gonna talk to other people. Um, I think that's a big hang up for, for newer teachers. And I just really think that this method that you use is something that our teachers or all teachers really should be trained on. I really do.
1: It's freeing. It's freeing to be able to say, you know, I don't know. But I'm going to draw out the caregiver's intuitions and what the caregiver thinks the problem might be or what um, a solution might be or what they've tried, what they've not tried. And if we can't get to a resolution, we can always come back. We can always come back to it. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tricky thing. Just even in, I think it takes a lot of practice too, because it's a skill, you know, just any, anything. I mean, emotional intelligence, I think is like huge. Like you have to have that if you're dealing with, um, you know, the clerk at the store who maybe is having a bad day, you kind of have to adjust, you know, yourself to who you're dealing with. And I just think that that's kind of what this is.
1: Absolutely. Yes. It's reading cues and then tailoring our responses to match what we think the person we're trying to support most needs in that moment. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So Tell us a little bit more about how you, are there material, like how would someone learn about this or how would they um, go about getting good at it?
1: Oh yeah, that's, that's great. So we do provide in-depth fan training um, through the Erickson Institute um, for teachers um, and, and practitioners. And we do basically like a core training of just like a knowledge dump. Like this is everything you need to begin trying this. And then we know that this is a journey. I've been training on this for, I think, eight years. And I still sometimes have to fall back on those who can't do teach because it's so it's hard. Um, So we take about six months to practice it in the field um, and work with a mentor in the van, and then come back after, um, you know, six months of practice and talk together about what worked. and and what didn't work and what did we notice and get into some more advanced principles around the fan. So we kind of consider this a journey of learning.
0: Yeah. So when you say you go out in the field, the mentor and things, are you talking about you or you're, you're the mentor in the field with like a teacher or something?
1: Yeah, so I do the training, um, and we have a lot of fan trainers, um, but I'm one of them, um, and then actually talk with the teachers once a month um, during that practice period as a, as a mentor around the fan to, you know, hold the hard things and offer some ideas and try to give the felt experience of the fan while the teacher's learning. Wow, okay,
0: so is there a cost to that?
1: Yeah, and our, co- our costs kind of vary based on the resources that programs have available. Um, so if this was of interest to you, if you have your teachers respond and say, I want to know more about this, I would love to talk about that because we try to make it as accessible as possible.
0: Sure. Yeah. I, I definitely have a few teachers that I think would really love this. And I probably have a few teachers that I think should really love it. Sure. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I just think it's, it's a great, a great thing. Um, so can you just, I, I know we're limited on time, but oh. so what, can you just take us through the different stages, maybe like a minute or two on each stage? I'd we'll love to. Yes. Um,
1: so the first part, so the, the important thing to know about the fan visual is, do you want me to, would they be able to see, will they see this? Cause I could share my screen with the um, visual. You know what?
0: I will, they Oh, eventually they might be able to, I may upload it onto YouTube, but, um, I will attach all of these materials that you gave to me and I'll, I'll have it in the show notes that they can download it and imprint it. Perfect. Yeah.
1: Um, so yeah. So I mentioned that the fan is shaped like a fan. Um, and the important thing to know about the fan is it's not linear. It's a fluid experience. I might start out with a parent in doing, and then some feelings get triggered. So we go back to feelings, or maybe we start in feelings and we get to do some thinking or some doing. So there's no goal. It's just more like a sort of a GPS that helps us understand where we need to be in the conversation. Um, So the first wedge we talk about is the mindful self-regulation wedge. And this is a really um, cool kind of gift to us as as teachers or as practitioners. And it helps us understand when we're off balance. So when I am in a classroom and I'm worried about a kid or I'm bored or I'm hungry or I have a headache or a teacher said something or another teacher or a parent said something that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that take us out of balance in the relationship. So that's when I can flip my gauge to mindful self-regulation and I can use a discrete strategy. I can take a breath a sip of water, maybe use some self-talk. And it just helps me be a little less reactive and a little more thoughtful in those very human moments. And it's all about accepting this and not judging ourselves and knowing we all have these experiences in relationship-based work.
0: We do. I love that because I think that the majority of people in the world don't understand that what they're, what's going on right now almost always is starting with them. You know, it's where you are. It's the vibe that you're putting out into the world. You know, and if you change yourself, so much around you is going to change. Yes. I, I love that.
1: Your teachers know so well that regulation is contagious. And if they're stirred up, it's hard to get the kids you know, in a space where they're being regulated too.
0: They know those kids, they feel every kind of energy around them. I'm telling you in the vibe, like even me, sometimes if you walk into a room, you're like, Ooh, that's a weird vibe. Yeah. So I love that. And then the next part we talk about is the
1: feelings wedge. So when we think about the other four wedges, we're thinking about how we're matching the person we're trying to support. Um, Historically, we've thought about this as adults attuning to adults, but there's so much here that's applicable to teachers attuning to their students too. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the feelings wedge, the idea here is that if I'm displaying feelings cues, I'm crying, I'm angry, I'm withdrawn, I'm not really at my baseline, I probably can't take in advice or ideas in a way that's really sustainable. Um, So it might be a better approach to first offer some empathy and some exploration of that inner experience wow, this is so hard. What is, what are you feeling right now? What is this like for you? Um, And kind of just not rushing through the feelings experience, but really spending some time there. Um, When our, most of our tendency is to want to go to doing, because we want to make people feel better because we care, but what really works is validating that inner experience. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. And then the thinking wedge is probably my favorite. And I have to share, um, I, I spent years doing home visiting with adolescent parents and I have to share this one story that uh, I think really um, demonstrates the thinking Is I had a parent tell me I Like, how do I potty train? What do I need to do? How do I get this kid potty trained? And so I know like the readiness signs. I know kind of the age idea. I had a lot of ideas for her, um, but I was going through fan training and something told me to pause and say, well, what are you thinking? Like what, you know, tell me more about why this is coming up. And she said, I can't afford diapers anymore. So I've got to get this kid potty trained. And if I had launched into, does he have words for pee and poop and all of that, I would have missed that this is a financial concern. It's not a developmental concern.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's
1: what the feeling or the thinking wedge is all about is what does this parent already know? What do they think? What's their theory?
0: Often parents know the answer.
1: They just need some help drawing it out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a really good example because it's, What what is um, behind? Like, what is driving the parent? You know, in that situation, it was a serious concern. Whereas another parent, it might just be because they're sick of changing diapers. Right, that's where I'm at. (laughs) Yeah, right. So I mean, that's a very different. You know, you're going to be less driven than that parent who has a financial concern. So Mm -hmm. yeah, interesting. Mm
1: -hmm. And then our our moment to shine with all the the knowledge we have comes in the doing wedge. Um, you know, we don't, it's, it's not about like withholding information. Like if I'm at the airport and I ask where the bathroom is, I don't want someone to say, where do you think the bathroom is? Like sometimes we just really need an answer. Yeah. Um, and that's when we're in doing, and that's where we share resources. Um, we have this little cool, this little um, kind of, uh, I, don't, I don't know what to call it. This like little way of thinking about how to offer information that you can tell I'm terrible at. Um, and we call it drop and explore and it's anything you can say in one drop in one breath and then checking in with the parent to see how they're feeling about that, what they're thinking about that, which will inform the next drop.
0: Oh, so dang.
1: often kids start potty training between two and three.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Does this seem like a match for your child? That's a little bit of information and then checking in for understanding.
0: Wow that's a really good method. Cause then, you know, you're not overloading the parent with like sentence after sentence and they can't even get a word in. So, well, that's interesting. Okay. It's not intuitive for me, but I pull it out of my pocket when I see someone start to glaze over. <laughs> I know I've said too much. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Interesting. Okay. And
1: so then, then the last word, was, right? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. That was the doing part. That was the doing part. Yes. Yeah. Offering ideas and information and practicing. Mm -hmm. And then the final wedge we talk about is the reflecting wedge. And this is where teachers have a chance to help caregivers and their students um, build their reflective capacity. Mm -hmm. And one kind of tangible way we can think about that is moving from what is this kid doing to me to what is happening for this kid? Okay. Like my my niece when she was in preschool um, c- had to have her ponytail a certain way. She wouldn't brush her teeth. She didn't want to eat breakfast in the morning. And my sister initially thought she's torturing me because she doesn't want to go to school and she doesn't want me to go to work. Uh-huh. Over time, as her reflective capacity built, she realized something is happening for Carmen. She's having a sensory experience here. These textures, these things are really hard for her to tolerate. So it wasn't about I'm trying to make you miserable. It's about my body feels miserable, right? now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think reflection is so important. And I, it's something that we stress a lot, lifelong learners, because if we do something and if we don't sit back and reflect on it, like, did it work? Did it not work? How did the kids respond? What could we do better next time? You will never get better if you don't reflect on what happened. Yeah. So, and what go. what was coming up for the teacher in like this difficult moment mm-hmm. and how they might be
1: more aware of that next time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh. I love this. It's all such good stuff.
1: I that's the fan. It. Yeah,
0: that's I'm it. I'm definitely going to share it with my teachers. Um, is there anything else that you want to share about it? I don't think so. Other than that mindful
1: self-regulation wedge is something you can start today. Like noticing when you're kind of starting to come off balance Mm -hmm. and then what helps because it's so deeply personal. What
0: helps me might not help
1: you. And just discovering those, discovering those things is something that can be like an immediate practice.
0: Yeah. I think I might even like make up some um, little, not, I don't want to say scripts, but like little cheats like this, like if somebody gets off on um, talking to a parent, you know, and, and realizes that, oh, shoot, they started offering information before they actually checked in to see how the parent was feeling, maybe a few like phrases that could help them like a go to phrase that can help them get back to that. Because sometimes I think yeah. when you're inexperienced, it's really hard to think like that on the fly, you can reflect and get better. But maybe I might come up with a few little like sentence or like, phrases that will help them get back if they kind of are ahead of themselves.
1: That's a brilliant idea. And then it'll become somatic
0: over, over practice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. I, oh, just, I love pleasure. listening this. Yeah. So let me just, cl- I'd like to ask different things. Um, sure. At the end of our podcast, fun things, because I really want this to be something, of course, knowledge for the teachers. We want to make them better. We want to give them things that they can use tomorrow, but we also mm-hmm. want to make them smile and laugh and, and enjoy themselves. So yes. can you tell me your favorite quote or the funniest thing that a child has ever said to you?
1: I was thinking about this and really wanting to find a good one. And I just kept coming back to my nephew. He'll be 13 tomorrow, okay. but he was a very early verbal kid. Um, and when he was two, he was so mad that he had to go to bed. And I was explaining, um, well, it's dark outside. It's time to go lay down in your bed. And with all this, fury and energy, he said, "I'm gonna get a giant rope and pull the moon out of the sky." <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so cute. <laughs> It was so clever, and to hear probably, that from such a young you could kid, could do that. <laughs> yes.
0: Exactly. That's, so cute. that's a, my favorite thing, actually, about being around kids. It's the funny things they say. Like my husband, like I'll come home and I'll tell him something funny. He's like, "You should write a book." And I'm oh, like, oh, you funny. should. That's a lot of funny stuff. <laughs> I'm sure a hilarious,
1: absurd things. Yeah,
0: that's funny. <laughs> um, okay, so do you have a favorite early childhood education resource that you think it could be a website, a book, social media? Anything that you think that teachers in the early childhood space could really benefit from?
1: I have one that I'm obsessed with right now. Um, It's comebacktocare.com. Okay. Um, And this is a colleague. I shared shared her a little bit about her with you in an email. Um, And she is working on, for teachers and for caregivers, um, kind of this idea of decolonized caregiving and like coming back into this space of it takes a village to raise children and how we support one another. Um, And she brings in, she melts really well, social justice with caregiving practices. And it's just so where we're at right now, societally. And she's got a podcast and a bunch of resources and even um, a a parenting and teaching class. um, And it's all on her website. So I'm really into
0: that right now. Awesome. We're going to definitely check that out. How about a social media group? Are there any, um, like I, for example, I belong to a lot of like child care center groups that, you know, help on that level. Do you have anything? Else? I was sort of laughing at
1: about this question and reflecting on myself because I didn't have an answer. The closest thing I have is like, um uh, like a group chat with, with other parents where we're like, we're just this is a judgment-free zone. I think I'm a little bit social media averse first, and I probably need to take a look at that.
0: Lucky, <laughs> you. Lucky you. I feel like I have been for, thank goodness. I have younger generations with me because I, I, first of all, Instagram, I have an account, but having teenagers, actually, those are the reasons why I have those things, but I never go on now. Cause some, you know, three of my kids are adults, but, um, just Facebook, it's a chore. Like I have staff update our Facebook page because it's just so much. I totally get it. Yeah. So I wish I had a better answer to no, that question. No, that's okay. <laughs> um, how about like your favorite book or podcast? Do you listen to anything like that? Um, well, I, so the come back to care
1: podcast is weekly. So that's the oh, yeah. one that I've been listening to right now. Okay. Um, oh, there's so many great parenting books. Um, you know, I have a book, I have some copies I should bring to your, to the school, um, about infant massage. And I'm not sure how, if that's something your teachers have an interest in, but, um, I really enjoy this book about like how the, just the gift of touch for kids who can tolerate that and for teachers who can tolerate that. Um, and then of course, like the classic child development books, like Mm -hmm. touch points and, um, I read a lot of books about, um, some of the home visiting work that I was doing recently was for children with, um, fussy babies uh, that parents would describe their, their babies as fussy. Um, so I read a lot of like the crying and attunement and soothing
0: books too. Great. Thank you. So lastly, my last (laughs) one is, um, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received either personally or professionally?
1: So I think that this is more of a mantra and it's like something we touch on in band training, but it, it's something I tell myself in my head in my really difficult parenting moments. And it's parenting isn't knowing what to do. Parenting is figuring out what to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that same thing can apply to teachers, that it isn't always about knowing what to do, but it's yeah. about figuring out what to do in the classroom.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because if you, if you don't think like that, you're going to feel inadequate your whole life. <laughs> I mean, because you're never going to know everything. You're just not. So, yeah, yeah. I I love that. All right. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you want to add?
1: No, I don't think so. I just so appreciate this time and and would love to
0: talk more if this is something that's of interest to you and your team. Yeah, for sure. I'll definitely reach out to you. Sounds good. All right.
1: Okay. Thank you so
0: much. Yeah. Okay. See you soon. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day. I hope you found value in today's content. New episodes drop the first and third Mondays of the month. Don't forget to like us and subscribe. We love feedback, so tell us what you want to learn about. If you'd like to be a guest in our show, please contact us at lifelonglearners212 at gmail.com. In the meantime, go out and be the difference.